The following is a presentation of the All Andy Elford Network, powered by Anchor. And you are listening to this podcast on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. However you're listening, and wherever you're listening, thank you for tuning into the program. And you can always follow the show on Twitter. It is at All Andy Elford. It is at all Andy Alfred. Oh, and three. Oh, and three. That is the record. Oh, and three. This past weekend for my football. For all three teams that we talk about, I root for. Oh, and three. I'm not upset tonight about the Lions. The Lions, to me, we knew that Philadelphia was going to be good. And I am I take a lot of positives out of this whole Philadelphia game. And we'll talk about it tonight. What gets me the most is college football. Sure, we get the surprise of Marshall beating Notre Dame. And now Notre Dame now 0-2. They'll play Cal this week. But 0-3 is another stat for you on Scott Leffler. His record against FCS colleges at the helm of Bowling Green. 0-3. And there is no one else. I, I'm not going to blame fully to blame the team. The team gets blamed for this. But coaching gets blamed for this as well. But what in God's name did I witness in Wood County this past Saturday? It was more embarrassing. Notre Dame was embarrassing. But Bowling Green was more embarrassing. Losing to seven overtimes to Eastern Kentucky, the Iron Colonels. We'll talk about that. That is the main topic tonight. The Guardians have something going. And so do the Browns. While the Tigers win in Kansas City. And we hit the links. In Cincinnati. Get the popcorn ready. Make sure your volumes are set to a minimum level tonight. Because I'm uncensored tonight. I'm unedited. And I'm unleashing. Right here. On All Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at a goal. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. 
And with that, I say, ah, I love you guys. And welcome into another edition of All Andy Alfred, right here on your exclusive home for me. And that is with the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for giving me your time, your effort, and your willingness to listen to what is happening in the sports world, as well as what's happening in my everyday life. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred, as well as Facebook.com slash all andy alfred and welcome into the show tonight on this the 13th day of september 2022 you know i debated about not doing this show i am still visibly and and emotionally upset in the words of the kids right now, I am emotional. I have emotional damage after what we witnessed in Wood County this past Saturday. And we're going to lead off with that. Scott Leffler is 0 3 against FCS schools. 0 3. Losing to South Alabama last year. Losing to another school in 2019 when he was hiring. And now, what happened this Saturday? What happened this Saturday? You look at this game. You look at this game. I'm telling you, look at this game. Okay? This has to have been some of the worst I have seen first half-wise in all of of my entire career covering this team. The worst. Letting your opponent... Score 24 points in the first half alone. Says something. Absolutely says something. I mean, we jumped out to the early lead. And I was very, very happy with that. Mason Lawler kicking the field goal, 3-0. And then C.J. Lewis with a minute 43 to go. From Matt McDonald, it's 10-0. But then... Eastern Kentucky got their legs. Jaden Higgins makes it 10-7. McDonald, Matt McDonald runs it in. It's 17-7. But then the problem is field goal, touchdown, and you let them score right before the end of the half. And then the key piece to this whole thing is that Eastern Kentucky... Won the toss. They deferred to the second half. Bowling Green gets the football first. And the problem with this, Eastern Kentucky gets the football to start the second half, 
has the momentum after scoring the touchdown, and goes down the field and scores again! In a blink of an eye, it's 31-17 Eastern Kentucky. After hearing that, and I'm sitting at my house, hosting my housewarming, showing people the new man cave, which we'll, we'll show this upcoming Friday, with the Falcon Friday edition. The problem I have is that you're down 31 to 17 halfway through the third quarter. Halfway through against an FCS school. You should be blowing them out of the water. You should be beating this team. With the amount of talent we have at quarterback, how good our defense is. The running back committee is okay. Wide receiving core, gonna be okay. The problem I have is the inconsistency between that offense and defense. Woman, it is this offense and defense is like Jekyll and Hyde. This is, and I said it in the show at the beginning, this is an unedited, unfiltered, I will say it with it. This, this loss, this, this first half of the game was utterly, I'm going to say utterly fucking embarrassing. It was. It reared his head. But I will say this. I will give Bowling Green credit. They rallied in the second half. Down 31-17. C.J. Lewis gets the pass from McDonald's 31-24. And we thought and then all of a sudden Bowling Green ties it with at the 855 mark. A great defensive play. Gets them the football. Bowden gets the pass from McDonald. We're tied at 31. And I'm saying to myself, oh boy. And then Jamison Patterson. Gets the run. It's 38-31. I'm looking at that. All right, let's get out of here. You know, let's get this win. Let's get out of here. But Eastern Kentucky had another story. Eastern Kentucky takes the football down the field and with no time left to go on the clock in single man coverage. There should have been double man coverage. They pass it off. And Parker McKinney by Jalen Higgins who just carved. Bowling Green all day. Carved them. Absolutely carved them. In this game. Scores with no time left in the game. And we're tied at 38. I said to myself, okay, Andy. Shut it down on defense. Go to overtime. McDonald from Keith, 45-38.
Eastern Kentucky won the toss. They put it on. They put Bowling Green to the offense, made him score first. But it was, it was like the like the lamb chop song. It was the game that never end. It went on and on, my friends. BG scores. Eastern Kentucky scores 45 after overtime one. Overtime two. Eastern Kentucky scores. 51. BG then scores in that overtime period. Fails in the two-point conversion. And then we go to single two-point conversion plays. McDonald to Sims. It was a great pass. 51-53 BG. McKenney to Higgins. Two-point conversion is good. 53-53. McKinney to Higgins. Again. Fifty-three, fifty-three, and then Higgins again, fifty-five, fifty-three. McDonald to Odue Hillary, fifty-five, fifty-five. And then this is when it got me. We had them dead to rights in a pass interference call. Football at their twenty, they had to go for the two-point conversion play. This is a failure on our defensive coaching and our defensive players. Should have shut it down right there. Gave Bowling Green the opportunity to win. And what happened? Found the fucking hole. Zipped it in. Eastern Kentucky takes the lead. 57-55. McDonald then from Hillary. Capitalize the scores. Bowling Green gets the football in the seventh overtime. In the seventh overtime. Fails to connects to connect. And then Parker McKenney to Brendan Sloan. And he walks in to the end zone for the home opener. They lose to Eastern Kentucky, 59-57. to 57. This is, this is terrible. This is, I'm, I can see it right now writing on the wall. This is, this is bad. This is bad. I, I have never been this frustrated I, I told you guys at the beginning of this season. I told you guys at the beginning of this season that Bowling Green needed to come out and make statements and make wins so that, you know, the administration can look at Scott Luffler and look at him and say, is this the man to coach this team? I believe it still is. This whole to the moon situation, I like it. It's great. It's great when it's working. Right now, it's not working. This is an embarrassment to this the school. I'm sorry, but you know, losing to an being 0 and 3 in your FCS opponents over the last 4 seasons because I can't give 2020 because of just playing the conference schedule. Can't give you that. 
You lose to South Alabama last year. You lose to Eastern Kentucky last year. Forget who you played in 2019, but that was... And it's your first year. I understand that you're not your first recruits. I'm just going to say this. This was an embarrassment. The amount of people that contacted me and laughed at me about this. This is an embarrassment. And then to hear what happened after the game. The Eastern Kentucky coach runs on the field, shakes Luffler's hand, shouts out, where's my check? Where's my check? Bowling Green State University paid Eastern Kentucky to come up to play at Doit L. Perry Stadium this year, $350,000. Just for Bowling Green to lose against the Iron Colonels. This is embarrassing. I'm really holding my restraint, but I am just, I was just livid. I walked out, I watched the full overtimes with my my wife and my wife's friends. We were there, we watched all seven overtimes. And to see that game, how that game ended, I just I, I just don't know how much more I could take. I, I just don't know how much more I could take. I'm 32 years of age. Okay? I have seen Bowling Green in their prime. I've seen the Dave Clawson era. I have seen the Coach Babers era. The MAC championships. The bowl games. The last two seasons have just, the last two regimes have just tore me apart. The Janks era has just ripped my heart out for this team. Leffler gives me hope, gave me hope for this season. He did. He has given me hope for this season and how good it is. I knew we weren't going to we weren't going to win the UCLA I banked on this game to be prosperous. To have the home opener and win games. And what did I get? Seven overtimes. And this mess. To think you're going to take positives out of this, I I don't see why. They looked like absolute garbage in the first half. They found their swing in the second half, but you've got to finish games. You've got to play full 60-minute football. You can't let them go down the field and tie the game with no time left. You can't. You just can't. You just can't! You just can't do that. Matt McDonald deserves better. McDonald, 23 for 40. 283, five touchdowns. QBR, 
He led in rushing, too. Five carries, 64 yards, one TD. Patterson, 18 carries, 48 yards, one TD. Lewis, three catches, 60 yards, two TDs. O'Hare, seven catches, 60 yards, one TD. Keith, five catches, 59 yards, one TD. Bowden, one catch, 20 yards, touchdown. For Eastern Kentucky, McKenney was 33 for 47. 324, three TDs, one interception. Sloan, nine carries, 56 yards, two TDs. Magalore, 13 carries, 26 yards, one TD. Smith, for the receiving core, seven catches, 102 yards. McCoy, four catches, 30 yards, one TD. Higgins, five catches, 28 yards, two TDs. Team stats look like this. Bowling Green had 27 first down to Eastern Kentucky's 28. On third down, Bowling Green was 50% at 10 for 20. Eastern Kentucky, 11 for 17. BG, 2 for 2 in fourth down. Eastern Kentucky did not attempt. BG had 431 total yards of offense, and that's including the overtime period. 283 through the air, 148 on the ground. For Eastern Kentucky, they had 442 yards of offense, 324 through the air, 118 on the ground. Nine penalties for 74 yards for Eastern Kentucky. 12 penalties, 98 yards for our Falcons. At least we didn't lose the turnover battle. That went to Eastern Kentucky. Two, one fumble, one interception. We had one, a fumble. We didn't even leave in time in possession. 26 minutes and 33 seconds for Bowling Green. Eastern Kentucky, 33 minutes and 31 seconds. I mean, this was an embarrassment. This marathon game was an embarrassment. Bowling Green was so provident in winning this game. Seventeen thousand three hundred and seventy-six for the home opener. BG was favored by seven and a half. The over/under was fifty-seven. He had the over. Be, you know, you you killed it. And we, it's not going to get easier for Bowling Green. It's not, because guess who we're playing next? I'll give you a hint. They just went into South Bend, beat the Irish, and got paid one point eight million dollars. I'm talking about Marshall. And it's homecoming. We <laughs> and it doesn't get any easier after that. We go to Mississippi State. We go to Brandon Walker from Barstool Sports' team, Mississippi State. Before we get into Mac play. Before we get into Mac play. We're not even favored this week. Marshall's favored by 17 points in a game that's going to be on the NFL Network. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, folks. It just doesn't get easy. It's not going to get easy. We do know the time now for the BGUT game. That's 7 o'clock. That's a good thing, but 
this team needs a wake-up call. I hope Scott gets them ready for this game. And we have Scott Leffler's post-game comments. We have their, his post-game comments. Go ahead, play it. I thought in the uh, first half um, we did some things that uh, we're going to look back and uh, regret. I uh, thought uh, the second half uh, we finally found our way on offense. I thought we played much, much better. I thought we threw the ball better, ran the ball more consistent, executed third downs. Um, I thought our D Carl Brooks came up with a big sack in the third or in the fourth quarter, which led to the uh, blocked punt. And uh, we just couldn't get a couldn't get a stop at the end uh, to put the game away, or couldn't convert on one two point conversion. But I thought our kids battled their tails off. Um, you would have loved to see them uh, finish and push this one over the top. So that was a uh, tough ending, to say the least. But uh, I think there was some major positive steps in the in the uh, second half. The first half was same old, same old, and. Uh, we put ourselves in a position uh, that, uh, you know, you gave 10 points right off with the missed snap and the uh, missed field goal. So college football is hard. you got to bring it every single week. And uh, I think our kids did bring it. We just didn't, uh, we didn't finish. In years past, this team would fold it down 14, but they didn't today. What made the difference? The well, I've been saying to them the entire time, and I wish we could have came up with a win. Um, I always judge a team that's down 14 and finds the way to come back, and they did, and uh, we just didn't finish. Did Matt make the connections with his receivers that he was hoping for, especially coming down the stretch in the fourth? Yeah, we finally saw in the second half, um, we us start to uh, click offensively. We've got really good weapons on the perimeter. Um, you got Trot Broden, CJ, OJ, Sims. Um, as soon as we get uh, Osborne back, that'll be big. Jalen Embry was out today. So, uh, yeah, we got perimeter weapons, and I thought they they, they started clicking like we saw uh, in training camp. And that heat took a toll on this team last week. Did you feel like they had the energy that you wanted them to from the jump here today? There were no real effects really? No, not whatsoever. I think uh, they handled overtime well. Uh, I thought they were full speed the entire time. And... Uh, um, we just didn't finish. What were you hoping to look for in that pass rush in the first half? It seemed like you weren't getting home as much, but maybe in the second half, you were to turn Yeah, the game turned in terms of this is a big run RPO team. And uh, we told our defensive line that it'll be frustrating for a while in terms of uh, the ball's getting out quick. And uh, we got into a passing fest on both sides of the ball. And... Uh, you know, I think our kids uh, rush the passer well. And, uh, you know, we need to come up with a stop on the two-point play that was 18 yards out, you know, on the penalty. And uh, we just came up play short. But uh, just like I said, the first half um, was the same old, same old, and the second half was finally what we want to see. And the key from this is taking away the positives uh, from this game. But, hey, Sean, being one of those again with another black punt Yeah, absolutely excellent. So that was a huge, uh, huge gig. It's got to go show proof, buddy, but obviously on paper, Pat looked 
We're in week two. I mean, there's a lot of football left, and the uh, the first four games of the year are, are generally, you know, the, how those go. You got to find a way to, to beat that SCS opponent. We didn't tonight, but uh, um, there's a ton of football left. Uh, ton of football left, and uh, we need to. Uh, it's not going to get any easier here now. I mean, Marshall beat Notre Dame today. Uh, we knew on paper that was going to be a really good football team, and they are. And uh, so we got to prepare. We got to do what we do, uh, keep improving, and uh, somehow get to the MAC and compete like hell to try to uh, to win our side and find a way to get to a bowl game. Coach, a couple losses on uh, offensive line. How crucial is that in a close game uh, like this? Yeah, we were down quite a few players. I want to say we were down five or six starters on offense. Um, I think the center situation with Jakari with the NCAA, um, I'm still hoping that they will absolutely do the right thing. Just like I said last week, he's a poster child for why this rule was created. Um, hopefully they can figure that out because that young man deserves an opportunity. He was a 2.9 student at Cincinnati. He graduated. He's a 2.6 student at Memphis. He's a 3.1 student here. He's done everything and beyond. And I don't know too many college football players out there that are in the offseason, uh, never missed a workout, led the workouts, went to class, got a 3.1, and then uh, – worked from 11 o'clock at night to 5 in the morning to support his family. I don't know how many guys do that. So um, um, hopefully I haven't lost faith in people yet. Yet. I haven't. And uh, hopefully we don't lose faith in what, pe the, what, what people should do in this situation. Davon, is there concern about him too, being in the walking boot in the second half? Yeah, we had, uh, just like I said, quite a few guys uh, that were banged up in the second half, more so on offense. The first, uh, you know, going into the game, there was five or six guys that arguably were starters that were out. But I thought they responded. I think there were some guys that uh, really stepped up. Um, so you would have loved to see these guys get a, a little bit of success coming back. I would have loved to have been able to walk into the meeting room and say, God, that first half reminds you of the past, and that second half was awesome. You found a way, and uh, the offense started clicking, and uh, that would have been a nice, but it's not, so it's reality. It is what it is. What do you want me to do? I'm going to go in there. I'm gonna, our staff's going to coach their ass off, and uh, we're going to keep plugging along and keep improving, and uh, there is a ton of football left. So you just heard Scott Leffler, post-game, talking about how he has still faith in people in this whole situation with the, the transfer portal player. One player isn't going to help you, Scott. One player isn't going to help you. This team needs a wake-up call, and I hope you give them a wake-up call. I hope they get up for this Marshall game. I really do. I, I I want this game. I need this game. To save your season, you need this game. You need this game so bad. 
so bad. Because Marshall just went into Notre Dame Stadium this past week and beat the Irish. Sure, Notre Dame made it close in the fourth quarter, scoring a touchdown late, but Marshall dominated this game in all aspects. They led 26-15 to with under four minutes to play. Marshall won 26-21, beating the 8th-ranked Notre Dame firing, Fighting Irish. And now we're 0-2. Marshall is 2-0. Notre Dame was 4-for-13 on 3rd down, 2-for-4 on 4th down. Marshall, on 3rd down completion, see they're 4-for-13. Marshall had 364 total yards of offense. 145 through the air, 219 through the air, on the ground, excuse me, through the air for the Irish of the 351 total yards, 221 was through the air, 130 on the ground. Four penalties for 30 yards for the Irish, six penalties, 44 yards for Marshall. What killed the Irish in this game was the turnovers. Three interceptions in the game, and those turned into points. Marshall led in time of possession, 30 minutes and 47 seconds, to the Irish's 29 minutes and 13 seconds. For the Irish, for for the Irish, Bueller, that's Jimmy Buckner, 18 for 32 for 201, two interceptions, QBR rating of 46.8. They bring in Payne, he was 3 for 6, 1 TD, 1 interception, QBR rating of 12.1. For Marshall, is Cole Bay, 16 of 21, 145, 1 TD, QVR rating 81.6. Laybourne, 31 carries, 163 yards, 1 TD. There was your answer right there. Marshall, Pete's, the Irish. And now comes to Bowling Green. For homecoming. <laughs> this weekend. Oh, Lord have mercy. Let's talk about some positives. Ohio State, huge win against Arkansas State this past Saturday, 45-12. to Big win. C.J. Stroud, 16 for 24. 351, four TDs, QBR rating of 93.5. McCord, three for four, 19 yards, QBR rating 59.2. Henderson, 10 carries, 87 yards, two TDs. Williams, eight carries, 46 yards, no TDs. Marvin Harrison Jr., seven catches, 84, 184 yards, three TDs. He averaged about 26.3 yards a catch. In Jungpa, Four catches, 118 yards, one TD. Stover, two catches, 40 yards, no TDs. For Arkansas State, for it was Blackman, who was 20 for 34 for 188. 59.4 QBR rating. And I'll say this. Arkansas State made it somewhat of a game. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll just say that. 
They made it somewhat of a game. It's the keyword. But it was pretty much a domination for Ohio State. Ohio State led 24-9 at the break. And they just piled it on in the second half. Nobody scored in the fourth quarter, which is surprising. But that was respectful. Ohio State, 19 first downs to Arkansas State's 15. On third down, Arkansas State was 5 for 20. They were 1 for 2 on fourth down. Ohio State, 5 for 11 on third down. Ohio State did not convert or attempt any fourth down efficiency. Ohio State had 538 total yards of offense, 370 through the air, 168 on the ground. For Arkansas State, they had 276 total yards of offense, 223 through the air, 53 yards on the ground, nine penalties for 85 yards for the for the Ohio State Buckeyes, six penalties, 63 yards for Arkansas State. Buckeyes failed in the time of possession. They only had the football 22 minutes and 16 seconds. Arkansas State, 37 minutes and 44 seconds. So Ohio State, third-ranked, beats Arkansas State. You then have, of course, Michigan playing Hawaii, and Hawaii just gets thumped at the big house. By a score of 56-10 to 10 in the game for Michigan. J.J. McCarthy, 11 for 12 for 229 yards, 3 TDs. McNamara, 4 for 6 for 26 yards, 1 interception. Crum, 9 carries, 88 yards, 1 TD. Stokes, 8 carries, 61 yards, 1 TD. Gosh, 3 carries, 48 yards, 1 TD. Edwards, 3 carries, 26 yards, 1 TD. Wilson, 1 carry, 21 yards, 1 TD. Receiving core, Bell, 6 catches for 76 yards, 1 TD. And Johnson, 2 catches, 71 yards, 1 TD. For Hawaii in the game, it was Yellen, 13 for 36 for 113 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. QBR, 14.4. Haynes, 8 carries, 75 yards. The 1 TD that the Hawaiians did score on the ground. Phillips, three catches, 33 yards. For the overall team stats, Michigan had 23 first downs to Hawaii's 13. On third down, Hawaii was 7 for 19. Michigan, 2 for 6 on third down. Hawaii, 0 for 1 on fourth down. Michigan did not attempt a fourth down play. Michigan had 588 total yards of offense, 320 through the air, 228 on the ground. For the Hawaiians, it was 253 total yards of offense, 113 through the air, 140 on the ground. They only had one penalty for 10 yards. Michigan, three penalties for 35 yards. Michigan led in, uh, Hawaii led in time of possession, 32 minutes and 40 seconds to Michigan's 27 minutes and 20 seconds. And then finally, of course, let's talk about the other local team, of course, and that is the University of Toledo. Toledo hosted UMass and they just blew UMass out of the water. The Minutemen were not minute were not Minutemen in this game as Toledo with a big 55 to 10 win over UMass in this one. For Toledo, Quinn Finn 12 for 26 for 177 yards and one TD. His QBR rating at 97.5. He also led in the rushing totals at seven carries for 74 yards, two TDs. Shaw the third, 80 carries for 47 yards and one TD, and Stewart. Six carries for 45 yards, one TD. Boone had seven carries for 21 yards and two TDs in the game. Newton, four catches, 106 yards. 
Maddox, one catch, 11 yards, one TD. For the Minutemen, it was uh, Capione, 5 for 14, 27 yards in total. Olsen, 2 for 3 for 21 yards. Capione was running the football. He ran it 12 times for 65 yards. Merriweather, 17 carries for 54 yards. Receiving core, uh, excuse me, Holson, five catches for nine yards, one TD. The only TD that the Minutemen had in the game. UT had 27 first downs to UMass's 13. Toledo was five for 11 on third down, two for two on fourth down. Uh, UMass was seven for 21 in third down, three for four in fourth down efficiency. UMass had 253 total yards of offense, 48 through the air, 205 on the ground. Toledo had 411 yards total offense, 177 through the air, 234 on the ground. The Minutemen had 14 penalties for 133 yards. Wow. Four penalties for 38 yards for the Rockets. The turnover battle went to the Rockets, had no turnovers. Minutemen had one turnover, a fumble loss. The UMass Minutemen had 35 minutes and 18 seconds of possession to the Rockets, 24 minutes and 42 seconds. So that is the local recap. It's now time for, to recap the other games and go over my picks from this past week in college football. It's now time to take a look at week two's recap of college football right here on All Andy Alford and go over my picks from that pat from last past week. We begin with the big marquee game of the of the of the weekend. Number one, Alabama, the Crimson Tide, headed into Austin to battle the Texas Longhorns in Texas, giving them a run for the money, folks. As Alabama just squeaks by with a struggle win, 20-19 to over Texas. It was I had Texas in the game, so that was a loss. Miami gets a big 30-7 to win over Southern Mass. I had... Miami in that one. Arkansas, 44-30 win over South Carolina. I had Arkansas in that one. Wake Forest, a big 45-25 win over Vanderbilt. I had Vandy in that game. North Carolina State, a big 55-3 win over Charleston Southern. I had the Wolfpack. Utah, a big 73-7 win over Southern Utah. I took Utah in that one, of course. Like I mentioned, I picked Notre Dame to win against Against Marshall, Marshall a big 26-21 win on that one. Furnham falls to Clemson, 35-12. I had Clemson. Texas A&M, this was the big, another big upset. Texas A&M, I had the Aggies in this one, but Appalachia State comes in and wins and pulls the upset, beating the sixth-ranked Texas A&M Aggies, 17-14. Pitt took on Tennessee, and in overtime, the Volunteers of Tennessee, a big 34-27 win. I had Pitt in that game. Uh, Georgia played Stanford with a 33-0 win over Stanford. Washington State pulls a huge upset over Wisconsin and beats Wisconsin 17-14. I had a loss in that one. Uh, Texas Tech, a big 33-30 win over 25th-ranked Houston. I had Texas Tech in that game. 20th ranked Kentucky beats 12th ranked Florida 26 to 16. I have Florida. That's a loss. Old Miss, a big 59 to 3 win over Central Arkansas. Had that as a win. I had USC beating Stanford, and USC did beat Stanford 41 to 28. Oklahoma State, a big 34 to 17 win over Arizona State. I had 
Oklahoma State in that one. And then the final game, of course, Baylor beats Baylor, loses to BYU in overtime, 26-20. I had BYU in that game. So in my top 25, I had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 wrong. And 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 right. So I was 10 and 7 on my, on my games there. Now let's take a look at the rest of the Big Ten. The Big Ten games as it follows for Week 2. Uh, Minnesota gets a big 62-10 win over Western Illinois. Duke pulls the upset and beats Northwestern 31-23. I had Northwestern in that one. That was a loss. I had Minnesota in the first game. Penn State a big 46-10 win over Ohio. That, I had Penn State in that game. Of course, like I mentioned, Washington State a winner 17-14 over Wisconsin. I had Wisconsin. That was a loss. Maryland a big 56-21 win over Charlotte. I had Maryland in that one. Michigan State routes Akron 52 to nothing. I had Michigan State in that one. Iowa State beats Iowa 10-7. I had Iowa State in that game. Virginia falls to Illinois by the score of 24-3. I had Illinois in that one. Purdue, a big 56-0 win over Indiana State. Rutgers, a big 66-7 win over Wagner. Georgia Southern beats Nebraska and Scott Frost gets fired after the game. Georgia Southern, a 45-42 win. I had Nebraska in that game, and that was a loss. I had Indiana beating Idaho 35-22 in that game. So then we get to the Mid-American Conference, the MAC games. Uh, Central Michigan falls to South Alabama 38-24. Western Michigan, a 37 30 win over Ball State. I had Western Michigan. I had Central Michigan, and that was a loss. Buffalo falls to Holy Cross 37 31. I had Buffalo. That's a loss. Uh, Ohio, Miami of Ohio beats Robert Morris 31 14. Oklahoma beats a shellacking on Kent State 33 3. I had Miami of Ohio and Oklahoma. And then I had NIU beating Tulsa, but Tulsa gets the win 38 35. And then I had Louisiana beating Eastern Michigan and Louisiana big win 49 to 21. So overall, I was 26 and 13 this past week in college football right here on all Andy Elford. So week three's predictions as well as a full preview of the BG homecoming game against Marshall will be coming up this Friday for our special Falcon Friday edition right here. On the Anchor Network. And you are listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher. However you're listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now let's talk a little more football. Let's talk about the kickoff in the National Football League. Not a good start for the Lions. Hi folks, this is Andy Elford, the host of All Andy Elford. I want to talk to you today about my good friends down at the Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store, 205 South Erie Street in the Warehouse District in downtown Toledo. And it is fall, folks. That means one thing, all your fall decor is in stock. Whether it be the glass pumpkins, all your Halloween decor items, as well as your amber-colored vases for the tablescapes that you will be preparing for the Thanksgiving holiday as well as for all your fall dinner needs. By the way, it's football season, so football is going to be precedented with football parties. 
whether you need football tumblers, beer glasses, dinner plates, you name it, the Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store has it for you. Visit them at 205 South Erie Street in the Warehouse District in downtown Toledo, two blocks away from Fifth Third Field, four blocks away from the Huntington Center. They're open Monday through Friday, 9.30 in the morning till 5.30 in the evening, Saturday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. The Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store, setting your table right for more than 100 years. And yes, they've been setting my table right for more than a decade right here. Go visit my friends down at the Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store in downtown Toledo in the Warehouse District. They're open Monday through Friday, 9.30 in the morning till 5.30 in the evening, Saturday from 8 to 5, and Sunday from 10 to 5. They got all the fall stuff out there, folks. It's that time. Start picking your pumpkins. Start collecting your apples. Start making those apple pies and meatloafs. It's that time of year because it is football weather, and we're into the heart of the National Football League. The Lions are back on the field, and I'm just going to start with the Lions first and foremost. And talking about the National Football League. We're going to start with the Lions. I thought they played very, very well. I thought they did quite well. I am extremely happy that this team made a comeback in the second, in the fourth quarter. Because a lot of this team could have just fell and just collapsed and just shut it down once they were down 38-21. But... They rallied, and they got themselves back into this football game, and they only lost by three points, 38-35 to the Eagles. Started off with Jamal Williams giving the Lions an early 7-0 lead on a one-yard run, but then the Eagles put on three consecutive touchdowns from Jalen Hurts for the run, Miles Sanders with a run, and then James Bradbury with a 27-yard interception return for a touchdown making it a 21-7 game before DeAndre Swift gets a 7-yard touchdown run, make it 21-14, and then Jake Elliott kicks a field goal right before half to make it 24-14 at the break. The Eagles then capitalize in the third quarter with Keith Gangwell getting a 2-yard run, making it 31-14, and I figured, oh, here we go, typical LOL Lions doing it yet again. But the Lions rallied. I'm on St. Brown. Four-yard touchdown pass from Jared Goff. Makes it 31-21. Then Boston Scott gets a one-yard touchdown run for the Eagles, making it 38-21. That's enough scoring for the Eagles because then the Lions made a run. In the fourth quarter with the 14-16 mark of the the game, it was Jamal Williams making it 38-28. And then DJ Clark getting a pass from Jared Goff making it 38-35, but that was just enough as the Lions fall in the home opener to the Philadelphia Eagles by a score of 38-35. Jalen Hurts, 18 for 32 for 233-43 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. His QBR of 64.3. Sanders had 13 carries for 96 yards, 1 TD. Hurts ran the football 17 times for 90 yards, 1 TD. Gainwell, five five carries for 20 yards, one TD. And Scott, four carries, 10 yards, one TD. Uh, A.J. Brown, 10 catches for 155 yards. Uh, Galbert, three catches, 60 yards, no TDs in the game. For Jared Goff in this one, he was 21 for 37. A great outing for him. His QBR rating, however, a 49.7. He was 215 total yards. 
for two two touchdowns and one interception. DeAndre Swift, 15 carries for 144 yards, one TD. Williams, 11 carries, 28 yards, two TDs in the game. Amon St. Brown, eight catches for 64 yards, one TD. Clark, four catches, 52 yards, one TJ, uh, one TD. TJ Hawkinson, four catches, 38 yards for the Lions. The Lions on first down had 23 first downs to the Eagles, 27. The Lions were 9 for 14 on third down. Perfect one for one on fourth down. I'll give them that credit on that part. The Eagles were 10 for 17 on third down, 2 for 3 on fourth down. The Lions had 368 total yards of offense, 205 to the air, 181 on the ground. For the Eagles, they had 455 total yards of offense, 239 through the air, 216 on the ground. 10 penalties for 61 yards for the Eagles. 7 penalties, 65 yards for the Lions. In the game, the Lions only had lost the turnover battle as they threw an interception. Goff threw the interception for the pick six in the game. Uh, the Eagles led in time possession, 31 minutes and 34 seconds. The Lions, 28 minutes and 26 seconds. So the Lions fall in their home opener. To the Eagles, and you know we, I, I still, I'm still banking on this. I still say the Lions are a 10-win team, making the playoffs at a 10 and 7 record. Even though I figured this game would be a win for them, it is not. They'll make up a win somewhere down the road. So the Lions fall to 0 and 1 to start the season. The team that finishes 1 and 0 right now are the Cleveland Browns. The Browns, a huge win with. A rookie kicker who they drafted in the fourth round kicks the game-winning field goal, 50-yard, 8-yard field goal, beating Baker Mayfield and beating the Carolina Panthers. That that right there tells you something. It did start with Kareem Hunt getting the pass from Jacoby Brissett leading off to a 7-0 lead for the Browns in the second quarter. Then Kareem Hunt then runs the football. Again, it's 14-0 Browns. And then Christian McCaffrey gets a one-yard run, making it a 14-7 game. And then Cade York for a 26-yard field goal. And at the half, the Browns were up 17-7. York again kicking another 34-yard field goal. And it's 20-7. And then we figured this was going to happen. I figured this was going to happen. The Panthers made a run. And they made a run deep. Mayfield ran it in for the first touchdown of his career with the Panthers, making it 24-7. York kicks a field goal. It's 23-14. And then Robbie Anderson gets the 75-yard pass from Mayfield. It's 23-21. And then Pinero kicking the 34-yard field goal. Giving the Panthers a 24-23 lead. And I said to my I said to my coworker who I was watching the game with at the time, I said to her, the Browns are just browning themselves. They're doing it again. But Cade York, this rookie kicker, finds a way and kicks the game-winning field goal, a 54-yard field goal that was dead center, clean as day, right down the middle. Kicks the field goal and wins it for the Browns in regulation 26-24. Jacoby Brissett, 18 for 34, 
for 147 yards, one TD, QBR rating a 38.1. Nick Chubb had the load for this game, 22 carries for 141 yards. Kareem Hunt, 11 carries, 46 yards, one TD. Donovan Peoples-Jones, six catches, 60 yards. Kareem Hunt, four catches, 24 yards, one TD in the game. For the Panthers, as Baker Mayfield's return against his full former team, 16 for 27 for 235 yards, one TD, one interception, QBR rating 37.2. Christian McCaffrey, 10 carries for 100 for one for 33 yards, one TD. Mayfield, five carries for six yards, one TD as well. Anderson, five catches, 102 yards, one TD in his outing. Thomas, two catches, 53 yards, no TDs. In the game, overall team stats look like this. The Browns had 23 first downs to the Panthers, 15. On third down, the Browns were 8 for 18 and 1 for 2 on fourth down. For the Panthers, they were 4 for 11 on third down. They did not attempt a fourth down conversion. The Panthers had 261 total yards of offense, 207 through the air, 54 on the ground. For the Browns, they had 355 total yards of offense, 138 through the air, 217 on the ground. Penalties, 9 penalties for 71 yards for the Browns. 8 penalties, 96 yards for the Panthers. The Browns won the turnover battle as Carolina had one turnover and interception thrown by Baker Mayfield in the game. The Browns led in time of possession, 38 minutes and 26 seconds. The Carolinas, 21 minutes and 34 seconds. So the Browns, a huge win, 26-24. They start 1-0 for the first time in a long time. It's been over two decades since they won a week one game. So the Browns have found a kicker, and they are now starting to win. So I'll still stick with my point of 7-10 and 10 with the Browns this year, 7-10. and 10. So it's now time for the best part of our week. It's time to recap week one on the National. Football League. It's time! It's time to break it all down. It's time to recap week one of the National Football League right here on All Andy Alfred. Whoop! Weaving in with last Thursday, which was this past Thursday night, as Thursday night football took place as the banner has been raised at SoFi Stadium as Matthew Stafford. Took on Josh Allen and the Circle of Wagon Buffalo Bills. And Buffalo comes out strong, proving to me and proving to the rest of the league that the Bills are for real as they beat up on the defending champions 31 to 10. Whoop! We then head down to Sunday night, Sunday's action, as we begin down in Hotlanta with Atlanta making a somewhat comeback with Marcus Mariota. Yes, Mariota makes the charge. However, it was Jameis Winston cleaning up the W's with a game-winning field goal as the Saints beat the Falcons 27-26. Whoop! We head to the Soldier Field. I mean Soaking Field as the Bears welcomed in the San Francisco 49ers and Justin Fields of Water flood the field giving the Bears a surprise beating the San Francisco 49ers in the monsoon of Soldier Field 
19 to 10. Whoop! We then head down to the natty. The defending AFC champion, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Welcome in Mitchell Trubisky and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Steelers and Bengals battled it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And was that really a touchdown? The league confirmed it was a touchdown, but they ruled it no touchdown. They go to overtime and miss field goal. Miss field goal. But the Steelers find a way to kick the game-winning field goal, spoiling the party in the jungle. 23-20. Whoop! We then head to beautiful Ford Field where the Ford family should sell their team to battle the Philadelphia Eagles. And like we just recapped, it was... The Eagles beating up on the Lions 38-35 as Jalen Hurts put a hurting on the Lions. Whoop! We then head down to Hard Rock as Bill Belichick the process, took on the new head coach and Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins. And let's waddle away as Oliver with the Miami Dolphins being up on the New England Patriots, 20 to seven, whoop! Lamar Jackson turns down the contract offer and goes out on the field on Sunday to the Meadowlands to play the J-E-T-S, suck, 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 Jets. And Lamar shows you that he needs to be paid more of the big bucks as the Ravens beat the Jets. 24 to 9. Whoop! Carson Wentz? My name is Carson Wentz, and I'm a quarterback for the new Washington Commanders. I'm Touchdown Jesus, Trevor Lawrence, wanting you to eat a Subway sub. The battle for the first overall pick goes to the favor of the Jacksonville Jaguars as the Commanders get their first win as the Commanders 28-22. Whoop! Baker Mayfield wanting to bake the cookies and give them give his Panthers a win, but it was Jacoby Brissett and Cade Trust New York giving the Browns the win 26 to 24. Woo! We head down to Reliance Stadium where Matty Ice, Matt Ryan battled. With the Indianapolis Colts now against the Houston Texans. And the Colts had an opportunity to win the game. And they couldn't capitalize. This game ends in a tie 20-20. We then head to the 4 o'clock games. As it was the Tennessee. Tighten up baby. Taking on the G-Man. And the Giants. Have a running back in Saquon Barkley. The Giants beat the Titans as they blocked the game-winning possibly field goal as McAdoo gets his win. 21-20 over the Titans. Whoop! We then head to U.S. Banks Arena 
in the tundra that is Minnesota that's not cold as yet as it's Kirk D. Cousins taking on. Well, I'm Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not fully vaccinated. And the Devontae Les Adams, Green Bay Packers, and Minnesota putting Green Bay to the woodshed as Minnesota beats up on the Packers 23-7. to Whoop! I'm Patrick Mahomes! Patty Mahomes! And the Kansas City Chiefs battle it out against... I'm just a baby. My name is Kyler Murray. And the Arizona Cardinals and the Chiefs drive the child back into hiding as Patty Mahomes puts up 44 on the Chief on the Cardinals. Chiefs a 44-21 win over the Cardinals. Whoop! Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers battle. Derek Carr and the Raiders. And Herbert proves yet again that he is somewhat of an elite quarterback. As the Chargers beat the Raiders 24-19. Whoop! We then head to Sunday Night Football on NBC as Tampa Tom, Tom Brady, and the Gronkless Buccaneers took on Dak Prescott and Jared Jones and the Dallas Cowboys and... <laughs> you steal them, boys? <laughs> As Tampa Tom and the field goal game puts a shellacking. Prescott gets injured. He's done for six to eight weeks. The Bucks a big 19-3 win over the Dallas Cowboys. And then we get to Monday Night Football as Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos headed up to battle Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. And Gino gets the final edge word in this game as the Seahawks defeat the Broncos 17 to 16. For yours truly, this past week I was 8, 7, and 1. As I had New Orleans, Buffalo, Baltimore, Washington, Minnesota, Arizona, Minnesota, Kansas City, the Chargers, Tampa as my winners. My losers, San Francisco losing to Chicago, New England losing to Miami, the tie between Indianapolis and Houston, I had Carolina beating Cleveland and Cleveland winning, I had Detroit over Philadelphia, Philadelphia with the win, Cincinnati over Pittsburgh, that was a win for Pittsburgh. The Tennessee Titans over the Giants. That was the Giants winning. And I also had Denver beating Seattle in that one. We now get to week two of this NFL slate. And it will be a good matchup on Thursday night. As it will be the Chargers taking on the Chiefs. 8-15 on Prime Video. Kansas City a four-point favorite in this game. In the... Arrowhead, I will take Kansas City in that game. And that is all my, that's my pick for this upcoming Thursday. We'll have the full preview, the whole predictions on Friday's edition 
of all Andy Alford, but that is week one's recap of the National Football League right here on All Andy Alfred. And you are listening to All Andy Alfred tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever and wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. And now let's talk a little baseball and let's talk about what happened this past weekend for the uh, in the world of baseball, and we'll start first and foremost with what's happening in Cleveland as the Guardians are finding their stride at this time as they are winning baseball games, key baseball games, at the right time. As the Guardians getting a huge series sweep this past weekend in Minnesota as they swept the Twins 7-4 to on Friday. 6-4 to four on Saturday, and 4-1 to one on, on Sunday, getting them some more room in the division. Now we get to Monday. They are battling a three-game series against the Angels, and we start off with Monday night, and it was a doozy of a Monday night at Progressive Field. As, the, as Fran, Terry Francona was ejected from the game, for arguing not being able to review a call, but the Guardians getting a 5-4 win over the Angels as De La Rosa Santos gets the win. He goes to 4-0 with a 2.91 ERA. Loop the loss. He goes to 0-5 with a 3.96 ERA. Classe the save, his 34th of the season. For the Angels in the game, it was Mike Trout getting his 35th home run of the season. Mike Duffy homering his first of the season for the Angels, as Tito was arguing that Jimenez was hit with the pitch on his foot. He asked to have it reviewed. The ref, the umpires conversated over it. They did not give him the opportunity to review it, so they decided. So Tito went off on the umpire. Both him, Tito Francona and Phil Nevin were tossed. Nevin was tossed for arguing that his pitcher, Tespito was not being able to throw warm-up pitches in between the time. So he was tossed. Otito is was done. And he was livid. That was one of the first times I ever seen Tito go get up, get ham, and get arguing. Which is really good. Which is really good to see. And now and then tonight, of course, as we're doing this podcast a little after 9:30, the Guardians just winning tonight 3-1 to one over the Angels, getting Game 2 of the series. McCarthy, the win, he goes to 3-2 and two with a 4.88 ERA. Suarez, the loss, he goes to 6-7 and seven with a 3.84 ERA. Classe, the save is 35th of the season as Tillis getting a home run, his second of the season, and uh, Oscar Gonzalez homering for the Guardians, his eighth of the season. The Guardians, three runs on nine hits, no errors. The Angels, one run on four hits, no errors. So the Guardians taking... Two or three from the Angels right now, and they are on a hot streak of winning five of their last six games. They'll battle the Angels tomorrow at 110 at Progressive Field. It will be Patrick Scovel, Sandoval, five and nine with a 2.98 ERA. He'll take on Cal Quintel, who's 12 and five with a 3.50 ERA, 110 start time. That game on MLB Network or on Bally Sports Great Lakes or as well as Bally Sports West. So the Guardians will then play the White Sox on Thursday, and then they'll play five games against the Twins at 
progressive field that could basically determine the division out of those games because they'll play five against the Twins, then they'll play three against the White Sox, then three in 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 Texas to battle the Rangers, three against the Rays, and then five games straight against the Royals to end the regular season. So that is the Guardians for you right now. Let's take a look at some of the lower-end teams, of course, and we'll start with the Detroit Tigers. The Tigers tonight losing to the Astros by a score of 6-3. to three. That game has just now gone final. Brown, the win, he goes to 2-0 and with a 1.50 ERA. Hutchinson, the loss, he goes to 2-8 and eight with a 4.24 ERA. Presley, the save, his 27th of the season. In, in the game, there was four home runs hit in the game. Cody Clemens getting his fourth of the season for the Tigers. And for the Astros, it was Alvarez, his 33rd, Tucker, his 26th, and Grandal, his 8th of the season. On Monday, the Tigers fell to the Astros by a score of 7 to nothing. Valdez, the win, he goes to 15-5 with a 2.50 ERA. Uh, Edwin Rodriguez, the loss, he goes to 3-5 with a 4.50 ERA. Uh, no home runs hit in the game for either team. Uh, the Tigers, no runs on 6 hits, no errors. Astros, 7 runs on 13 hits, 1 error in the game. So the Tigers are going to lose this series to the Astros. The Astros will they'll play the Astros tomorrow at 1.10. It will be Christian uh, Javier, who's 8-9 with a 3.10 ERA. He'll take on Jody, Joey Wentz, who's 1-1 one one with a 4.50 ERA. 1.10 start time. That game you can watch on Bally Sports Detroit, as well as on AT&T Houston, as well as on the MLB Network. So the Tigers, are after this, will play three straight again at home against the White Sox. Then three games at Camden Yards before headed to the south side to battle the White Sox for three. Three games at home against the Royals. Three against the Twins. And then uh, three games out in Seattle for against the Mariners to end the regular season for the Detroit Tigers. For the Reds, the Reds this season has not going as planned. The, the Reds fell tonight one to nothing to the Pirates. As DeLong gets the win, he goes to 5-2 with a 2.31 ERA. Oswald, the loss, he goes to 0-1 with a 3.86 ERA. Underwood Jr. gets the save, his first of the season. The Reds lost yesterday by a score of 6-1. Oh, they actually had a doubleheader today. They lost both games of the doubleheader, being outscored 7-1 in both games. They lost the first game 6-1. And lost tonight's games one to nothing. They lost on Monday six to three to the Pirates. They'll get back into the wing. Try to get back on the wing wage tomorrow. On the ball, it's Nick Lodo will start four and five with a three point seven eight ERA. He'll take on Rozzy Contreras, who's five and four with a three point two nine ERA. Twelve thirty five first pitch at Great American Ballpark. After that, they'll have four games against. Excuse me, five games against the Cardinals, and then they'll welcome in the Red Sox for two, four games against the Brewers, three against the Pirates, three against the Cubs at Wrigley, and then three at home against the Cubs to end the regular season. Other scores around Major League Baseball that took place today, other than the Tigers, Reds, and Indi Guardian scores, it was it was a final. The, in the doubleheader in Toronto, as Toronto beats Tampa 7-2 in Game 1. And in Game 2, Tor Tampa beats Toronto 
to two. The Cubs were a winner four one over the Mets. The Phillies beat the Marlins two to one. Bottom of the ninth, Baltimore is up four three against Washington. Top of the tenth, the Yankees and the Red Sox are tied at four as Judge has homered his fifty sixth and fifty seventh home runs of the season. The Twins are up six three on Kansas City. Milwaukee up seven to four on the Cardinals. In the top of the 8th, bottom of the 7th, Oakland and Texas tied at 7. The White Sox are beating up on Colorado 3-2. The Dodgers up 2-0 on Arizona, top of the 3rd. Top of the 3rd sees the Padres up. Padres and Mariners tied at 0. Atlanta and San Francisco tied at 1 so far. So going into the standings, going into today's, the rest of the evening's play, it looks like this. In the Central Division, the Guardians are at the top spot at 75 and 65. The White Sox 72 and 69, three and a half games out of first place. The Twins 69 and 70 overall, five and a half games out of first place. Kansas City 57 and 84, 18 and a half games out. And the Tigers are 54 and 88, 22 games out of first place. In the East, it is the Yankees at the top spot at 85 and 56. Toronto is in second at 80 and 62, five and a half games out. Tampa, 79 and 62, six games out. Baltimore, 73 and 67, 11 and a half games out. And the Red Sox at 69 and 72, 16 games out of first place. In the West, it is run by the Houston Astros, who are 92 and 50. It is Seattle at 79 and 61, 12 games out of first place. Texas, 61 and 80, 30 and a half games out of first place. The Angels are 61 and 81, 31 games out of first place. And Oakland is 51 and 90, 40 and a half games out of first place. In the senior circuit, it is led in the central division by the St. Louis Cardinals, who are 83 and 58. It's the Brew Crew at 75 and 66, eight games out of first place. The Cubs, 60 and 82, 23 and a half games out of first place. Cincinnati, 56 and 85, 27 games out of first place. And Pittsburgh, 54 and 88, 29 and a half games out of first place. The only rig race right now is in the AL and the NL East. It's the Mets lead the division at 89 and 54. Atlanta 87 and 54, <clears throat> one game out of first place. Philadelphia 79 and 62, nine games out of first place. The Marlins 58 and 84, 30 and a half games out of first place. And the Washington Nationals at 49 and 92, 39 games out of first place. The West, it's pretty much clinched. The Dodgers have clinched the division at 897 and 43. So the Dodgers have won the West. So if the postseason started today, it would look like this. For you guys right here. So it, it's set like this. Uh, the top team in the American League right now is the is the uh, Houston Astros holding the top spot in the wild card race. So the wild card race looks like this. Astros at 92 and 50, number one seed. The number two seed is the Yankees at 85 and 56. Central Division is the Guardians at 75 and 65. The three wild card teams are Seattle, Toronto, and Tampa Bay. In the National League, it is the Dodgers in the top spot at 97 and 43. Second is the Mets at 89 and 54. St. Louis is the third spot at 83 and 58. The three wild card teams are Atlanta, Philadelphia, and San Diego. So that is that for you guys right here. Uh, news and notes around Major League ba- Baseball to pass along to you guys for you tonight right here on All Andy Alfred. Uh, pull it up here for you guys as I 
having a little bit of an uh, tri audio tribute um, tribute for you guys here. Uh, Tony Larusa is back. Was back. Was at Guaranteed Rate Field on Tuesday for the White Sox series opener against the Rockies, and is scheduled to be back at the ballpark again Wednesday afternoon for the series finale. But Larusa's returning to the dugout as manager remains uncertain. So that's something right there to say. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out as well, too. So there is that for you guys, as that is what's happening in baseball. So as we're coming down the stretch for the end of the Major League Baseball season. With that in mind, let's also dive into some other sports, of course. And let's talk a little hockey for you guys as well as we're getting set and ready to go for the Traverse City Tournament, which will begin this upcoming Thursday as it will be the Blue Jackets traveling on the road to Traverse City, Michigan with five other teams, St. Louis, Detroit, Toronto, Boston, Minnesota, and Columbus will all be playing in this tournament. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how that all shakes out. Uh, we'll go over a little bit more of the Traverse City news and notes to pass along for you, but some NHL news and notes for you. Jordan Cairo has signed an eight-year, $65 million contract with the St. Louis Blues on Tuesday. Uh, Connor McDavid says he has a long way to go entering the season to have them reach the Stanley Cup playoffs. Looks like uh, Elise Penderson is ready to go for training camp after his injuries from this past year. And it looks like Nick Suzuki, and Nick Suzuki has been named the 31st captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Looking forward to seeing that. Like I mentioned before, the prospect tournament getting ready to take place in Traverse City. It will have Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, St. Louis, and Toronto in Traverse City, Michigan. So... There's that for you guys. And the top, top Cheevers Prospect Tournament Showcase will feature two games with the top prospects between Chicago and Minnesota Friday and Sunday in Chicago as well. So there's that. Um, Jake McCabe is going to be out 10 to 12 weeks for the Chicago Blackhawks after having successful cervical spine surgery. So Chicago is going to be looking for a defenseman. Not that many options out there. Just going to lay that out there for you. Not that many options available for you there. As you're listening to All ANDL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now let's hit the links and let's talk about the ladies in the LPGA. They were down in the Queen Cities for the Queen Cities tournament. So the ladies were in Cincinnati this past weekend for the inaugural Queen Cities tournament that took place in beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio. And Allie Ewing gets the win, her tour win, as she shoots 22 under par for the full tournament, finishing in her fourth round at 6 under par for her fourth round. And she wins the Queen Cities tournament. In second was Azulu at 21 under par. Mira Fossey finishes in third. Jin Lee Six finishes in fourth. Mira Alex finishes in fifth. 
Andrea Lee finishes tie for fifth as well at 13 under par, also with Alin Kim, who is 13 under par. In eighth spot, it was Sarah Kep at 12 under par. Uh, Takim finishes in ninth at 11 under par. Jessica Corda at 10 under par. She finishes in 10th with the following other players, Megan Kang and uh, Mitch Rooks as well, and Jagundin as well at 10 under par. At tied for 14th was Yelami No, as well as Carol Ingus, as well as Min Lee Hazu and Hanji Choi at 9 under par as well. At tied for 18th was Jody Edwards Standoff, as well as Brooke Henderson at 8 under par. She finishes tied for 18th. Nasa Hadako finishes at 7 under par. Emily Soul finishes up at 7 under par. At tied for 20th, Alrin A. Na Rin An at 7 under par. And Anna Norquist tied for 20th at 7 under par. Tied for 24th was Madeline Jagunda, as well as Yu Lu, as well as Hannah Green, Melanie Blank, and Elena Sharp also finishing 6 under par. Uh, the champion of the Dana Open, Gabby Lopez, finishes tied for 24th at 6 under par with Leona McGuire at 6 under par. Yuka Sasso finishes tied for 33rd at 5 under par. Laura Stevenson at 5 under par as well. Tied for 36 was Sarah Swarsel, uh, Allison Lee, Emma Talley as well at 4 under par. Um, Paula Ritu tied for 42nd at 3 under par with Danielson at 3 under par. And Arena at 3 under par. Diane Finkelstein finishes tied for 47th at 2 under par with Jasmine Suwanapura as well as Park. Brooke Matthews finishes tied for 51st at 1 under par with Jennifer Chang. Laura Salas and Roana, as well as Jenny Shin and Mira Haragai and Chella Choi at one under par as well, too. And Paula Kramer finishes at 74th at five over par. Hollis finishes 75th at five over par. Gabas has withdrew from Denmark in the tournament as well. So there is that. The ladies now will head out to Portland this upcoming weekend for the Portland Classic. Looking forward to seeing that, and uh, not that big of a field in this in this tournament, but it should be an interesting interesting play this upcoming weekend out there in Portland, Oregon. After the Portland tournament that will take place this upcoming weekend, they'll have then the Arkansas Championship on September 23rd through the 25th, and then the 29th through the 2nd will be the Volunteers of America Ascension LPGA event. At, at Colonial, and then October 6th to the 9th, it will be the Mejil Championship in Somos, California, before they then head over across the over across the Pacific to the BMW Ladies Championship in the Republic of Korea. October 20th through the 23rd, November 3rd through the 6th, it's the Toto Japan Classic in Shanghai, and then two tournaments, November 13th, 10th to the 13th, the Pelican Women's Championship, in Bel Air, Florida, and then the CME Group Tour Championship, the Tour Championship, November 17th and the 20th. It's going to be in Naples, Florida, and that is the LPGA events for the upcoming year. So there's that for you guys. You're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. And now we have come to the end of the program tonight. And it's now time for Andy Rants. 
So it's now time for Andy Rants tonight. I want to thank you guys for tuning into the podcast tonight. And if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts two times each week. We'll have our next show on Friday for our Falcon Friday edition right here on the Anchor Network. And it's now time for Andy Rants tonight. And I want to say this is not just going to be a rant. It's going to be a rave a little bit. Um... I like what I'm hearing of what I heard earlier this week and the big news that came out of the game, of course, uh, Bowling Green versus Toledo, is that the Barstool Sports guys are going to be, the college football show is going to be at the Glass Bowl for Bowling Green versus Toledo. It will be Dave Portnoy, Big Cat, uh, Brandon Walker, and Casey Smith, all in the Glass Bowl parking lot for Week 12's game against Bowling Green against Toledo on a Tuesday night, 7 o'clock kickoff at Glass Bowl. Uh, the Barstool show is probably going to be about probably about 5.30 or 6, but uh, we're going to try to invade it with the orange or brown. Um the talk is also discussing right now if we're going to do our own podcast from the from the Glass Bowl, from the tailgate lot. Um, the discussion's happening as we speak between Anchor, myself, as well as the as well as some some uh, UT alumni that we know that go that are going to maybe hook us up for tickets. I don't know quite yet, but we'll find out. Um, so yeah, uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about tonight is the fact that this show has gotten so many listens and so many you know positive feedback and not negative criticism. So that's I I love doing the show. Uh, Friday will be our first show on our Facebook Live. Um, I'm really looking forward to showing you guys the studio. If you haven't seen the studio yet, I know we did a couple open houses this past. Weekend with family and friends this past Saturday. My apologies for yawning. Because the show is like 10.53 at night as I'm taping this. Um, But we'll be doing the show live on Facebook Live. We will do it simulcast on the Anchor Network. It will be posted on the Anchor Network later later in the evening. So bear bear with us with that. Um, So looking forward to it. Really, really looking forward to having you guys and having the show on Facebook Live. So there's that. So really the rant tonight was on Bowling Green losing to Eastern Kentucky, which is absolutely pathetic. I hope the boys get rallied up for this game against Marshall. You know, Marshall's really, really good this year. We'll see what happens. On Friday's edition, the Falcon Friday edition on Facebook Live, as well as here on the Anchor Network, we will preview BG's 100th homecoming game as they'll play. Marshall will preview week two, a week three of the college football slate and preview week two of the National Football League, as well as the other games that are happening, uh, other sports happening around the sports world, including the Guardians battling it out with the Angels, as well as getting their set against the White Sox on Thursday in their big series upcoming with the Twins. Also, the Tigers 
getting their series against the White Sox, as well as the Reds with a big series against the Cardinals. So that's going to wrap it up, and that's all the time I have for you guys tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, wherever you listen. Thank you so much again for tuning into the show tonight. So this is Andy Alford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together, the game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And remember to hit them straight. More birdies, less bogeys. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams, go Jackets. Go Walleye. And go Tigers. Come on, Bowling Green. Get it on the right page. Come on, Irish. Bounce back. And let's go Ohio State. Beat Toledo. And let's go Lions. Let's go Browns. And go crew. Because victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great weekend week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Friday for a special Falcon Friday edition of All Andy Alford. I love you guys. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You've been listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you again for tuning into the show tonight. You can be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. The podcast is performed each week right here on the Anchor Network.